Hello, I'm Stacey Murda, health coach and yoga teacher, passionate about supporting your health and well-being. This wellness podcast is focused on bio-individuality, knowing that one size does not fit all. As a coach, it is my goal to empower you with the knowledge, tools and techniques you need to make the right decisions to support your health goals. I hope it brings you the inspiration that you need. Hello, welcome back. This week we are talking all about sleep and in this episode it's all about how you prioritize your sleep to improve your overall health. Now sleep is one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) It is something that I hold as a high priority thing within my life and I hope that by the end of this episode that you take steps to improve your bedtime routine and improve your sleep quality. So if you've ever spent a night tossing and turning, you'll already know how it makes you feel the next day. And for me, I tend to feel out of sorts. You can feel tired, cranky, and just really not your optimum self. And so missing out on these recommendations of seven to nine hours of sleep, it really has a long lasting effect on your health if you're getting long-term effects of sleep deprivation. So obviously if you're having sleep deprivation, maybe, you know, not so often and it's once in a blue moon, then it could just be you're having a moment of stress or your routine's out of sync. There could be other things that are affecting it. So what we're going to look at is long-term effects of sleep deprivation and why why we even need sleep. So our bodies need sleep to help us function at their best and whilst we sleep our body heals itself and restores all that needs balance. So without enough sleep we don't function optimally and can therefore lead to a poor quality of life and not one of us wants that. We want to live our best lives, we want to be at that optimum functioning level and we just want to enjoy our lives. So to be able to do that, sleep is hugely important and I often will have coaching clients that aren't meeting their health goals and a lot of the time it comes back to sleep and so we'll go into that and I'll share with you some of the things where you might not be meeting your health goals and where sleep can be playing an impact on that. In today's world, our brains are working so fast. And if you don't know already, but there's a little um, stat in marketing that, and I think because I've been in marketing for 15 years, I know this, but typically, and it could have changed by now, but Typically, you have about three seconds to capture a consumer. There's a three-click rule um, when someone's visiting your website. And so the journey needs to be within three clicks to a sale. And also, you have a window of about, I, I think it's reduced now, but about six to eight seconds. That is the, what's the word? It's like your attention, the attention span, that's it. So about six to eight seconds is the attention span. That's crazy. But that is how fast 
we are working, we're constant overdrive, we're influenced so heavily by technology. And so no wonder we need sleep, but also no wonder it takes so long for us to relax and to get better sleep. And so we're in a we're in a place really where we need to be training ourselves to get better sleep. And so when you have a baby, or even if you just remember being a child, you nurture them with the best nutrition, sleep, love, and this shouldn't change as you become an adult. All of these elements are so important for our development throughout life, not just as a child or a teenager. These things are so important for us throughout all stages of life. And so let's look at what poor sleep quality looks like. One in three adults, one in three adults experience poor sleep that negatively impacts their health. And I've coached so many people that have struggled with their sleep and it appears to be so much more common than I suppose I even first thought. But not getting enough sleep can negatively affect your weight, your cognitive function, your relationships, your sex and many other factors within your life. And we'll go just a few of them just to give you a bit more of an insight. Ultimately, it can reduce levels of productivity. So it affects our thinking capacity, our concentration. And this also includes our ability to be creative and problem solve. And so that can have a huge impact in your career. It can have a huge impact in how you engage with your family, your loved ones, your friends, you know, even social interaction just with strangers. It can have a huge impact. Mood changes is a big one. So sleep deprivation can make you moody, emotional and cranky. And long-term sleep deprivation can ultimately lead to anxiety or even depression. And so these are really important issues to keep a check on and be aware of. Ultimately, if you're getting long-term sleep deprivation, memory issues could occur. So during sleep, our brain starts to form these new connections that help us process and remember new information. So therefore, poor sleep can have a huge impact on short and long-term memory. This is all controlled through our central nervous system, which needs all the rest that it can get to help form these neural pathways to the brain. So if you remember, we spoke about the connection from the gut to the brain. So in the gut, it houses your central nervous system and our nervous system runs throughout the entire body. But from that central nervous system, you have the vagus nerve that runs directly to our brain. So the central nervous system and the gut is constantly in communication with our brain. And so in order for it to reset, restore, recover, we need it to take rest and do its job ultimately we need it to create these neural pathways to the brain so that we're keeping our brain in really good optimal health so again coming back to that functionality if we aren't repairing our brain and helping it reset and our nervous system then of course we're not going to have that level of productivity or thinking of concentration and so on so it's ultimately then a never-ending cycle. 
Um, sleep deprivation can also increase our cortisol levels. So as we know, cortisol levels is your stress hormone. And ultimately, this can then have an effect on weight gain. So our stress hormone with cortisol. So first thing in the morning, our cortisol levels are going to be high. So which is what you want. That's going to get you up out of bed. But also getting into daylight first thing in the morning is where it brings it into a state of balance. So again, bringing that nervous system into a state of balance so that you're not constantly in that stress response is really good thing to do. So when we look at waking, this is where we said earlier that waking could be one of your main health goals. It could be to lose weight. And if you're gaining weight or you're not meeting those weight loss goals, if that's what your goal is, then this could be down to poor sleep. So our brain ultimately will send signals um, telling us when we're full. But if our central nervous system isn't functioning optimally and we're all kind of out of sync, then everything's out of balance, which means that our brain isn't telling us those signals and we're more likely then to overindulge. And also with tiredness, it can also lead to an increased appetite, which then leads to poor food choices. And I know myself personally, I tend to go for the croissants, those high carbohydrate um, foods when I'm tired. Or And this even comes from being on the go and it's grabbing what you can and you don't tend to consider things that are good for you in those moments of tiredness because you're craving the energy you're wanting whatever the energy um food or fuel is going to give you and then it comes down to higher risk of accidents so if we are deprived of sleep and we can't make good decisions, then ultimately this can lead to road traffic collisions. It makes us more vulnerable. Our decision-making is poor. And so ultimately, not even just in road traffic collisions, but accidents can occur in the workplace. They can occur even at the gym, whatever you might be doing. So again, it just, it makes us unbalanced. And so that's why it's so important. And one of the biggest things as well is lack of sleep weakens the immune system, making you even more susceptible to picking up colds and flus along with any other illnesses. So essentially, you're more likely to get sick and none of us want that. And with that in mind, you have a higher risk of diabetes and heart disease and the list goes on and on. And I just wanted to give you a little overview of what some of these things look like, you know, so that we can start taking sleep a little bit more seriously. Because I think sometimes we just think it's a function and that it has no real long-term effects when in fact it does. And so for me, I've always been a big believer that sleeping is healing. And when we talk about healing, it's not necessarily you're healing from something such as an illness, although I've, I would say that if you are recovering from an illness, that sleeping is even more crucial. And I would say, listen to your body. So knowing when you need to take rest 
is so, so important. If you feel tired, if you feel like you need a rest, I'm a big believer in those afternoon naps when you can get them, you know, so even 10, 20 minutes, take yourself and just take rest. Sometimes you don't even need to be sleeping, but just resting, doing nothing, not scrolling on the phone, just sitting in a space that you can feel a moment of rest. So let's talk about the circadian rhythm and melatonin. Our circadian rhythm is what helps us synchronize that sleep-wake cycle. So melatonin is a hormone created within the penile gland in the brain and it's released into the bloodstream. Darkness prompts the penile gland to start producing melatonin while light causes it to stop. So as a result, your melatonin helps regulate the circadian rhythm and synchronizes our sleep-wake cycle with night and day, which helps us facilitate that transition from sleep and into promoting consistent quality rest. So this is why it's so important for us to get into natural light first thing in the morning, because it helps us with that sleep-wake cycle from day until night. It signals to the body that it's time for us to be awake. And then once it gets dark, melatonin is then released to help support better sleep by telling the body it's time to rest. And so sometimes it's hard to distinguish whether you're a night owl or I can't remember what the other one's called, whether you're a night owl or a daytime person, morning lark, I think. Um, You know, so... It's important with the circadian rhythm that when we think about it, back in our previous ancestors' days when there was no electricity and we didn't have alarm clocks, we didn't have um, telephones or technology, we relied on light and darkness to tell us and our bodies when we were awake and when we should sleep and take rest. So it is ultimately that. And so it's. I know that with melatonin, you can take supplementation, but there's a lot of still early research in that area. And ultimately, I would just say, try and get yourself into a steady rhythm of knowing that your body's waking up for the day, get it into natural light. And then again, once the body's coming in, or once it's getting dark, then allow your body to go into that rest state. But let's look at how we're going to get better sleep. So we've talked a little bit there about what poor sleep looks like and, you know, the importance of the circadian rhythm, melatonin, even if it is just a broad stroke. And as I said, sleep is quite complex. There's so much that we could go into but I want to keep it high level for us all so that it doesn't get overcomplicated and that there's snippets from today that you can just take and easily integrate into your life. And so how can we get about a healthier and better sleep routine? And so for some, it may not be easy, be easy at first and it does require commitment, but naturally it will become a routine that you no longer think about. And so for me, habit stacking is a really great way to start to build a better routine. So if you look, when we talk about habit stacking, look at what you're doing already 
and then see what you can add on top without it being overwhelming, of course. So creating a sleep routine that works for you is so important and that will ultimately contribute to your overall health and happiness. And of course, if you have a household to consider, it may be worth exploring a family sleep routine with considerations for each other. That's really important. And I think just everyone knowing what that looks like for each of you is really important. So there are a few other considerations other than just creating a sleep routine, which we will get to. But I want to talk about a few things that can help you throughout the day that supports better sleep at night. Good nutrition. Let's go through it. Nutrition is so vital for the body and eating well for your body and mind is something that we should be conscious of every day. So it's so funny. I I always use this analogy quite often. And if you own a diesel car and you accidentally put petrol into it, what are the consequences? What do you do? I mean, I know plenty of people that have done this and they (laughs) panic so much. And then they're caught out because they then have to pay a fortune to get the engine repaired or to get it cleaned out, whatever that may look like. And so we all tend to look after our cars better than our own health. So we would panic if we put petrol into a diesel car, but we're not panicking when we're putting processed foods into our mouth and we're not reading the labels and we're not looking at what we're eating or consuming, which if we think of it can be, you know, a little terrifying. And I understand, you know, we have these busy lives and sometimes we don't put our health first, but it's so important that we do. And I think a lot of it comes down to a lack of education from, you know, these things as well. We weren't taught at school and a lot of things I think that I'll talk about, you know, when I've discovered or learned them, I'm always like, why were we not taught this? Um, you know, so it's so important that if you're coming across it now that you just take steps to improve. And so as we've evolved, fast food, ready meals, they've all been marketed to us to make our lives easier when in fact they're damaging our health and well-being. So our eating habits have a huge impact on our sleep patterns. When we experience poor sleep, we seek food and caffeine to fuel that fatigue which is usually high in carbohydrates and sugar. When we don't eat well or at the right time, we don't get the deep sleep that we need, which ultimately has an impact. So gaining better sleep will help balance those cravings and your blood sugar, and ultimately then reduces that urge for food that isn't nourishing. So it's important that we eat a balanced diet, lots of vegetables, good proteins, good fats and carbohydrates. And when we talk about carbohydrates, it's about getting good carbohydrates. So that's slow releasing energy and looking at it from a whole foods approach. So when I say whole foods, it's reducing the processed foods as much as you can. Um, and then also reducing sugar, reducing sugar, alcohol, and caffeine intake where you possibly can. And if you do drink caffeine, I suggest reducing the amount 
and try not to drink it anyway past 1 p.m. So if you can, if you are going to have caffeine, I would take it earlier in the morning. And if you're having coffee, make sure that you're hydrating before you take the coffee. So always have a glass of water by your bed. So remember that when you wake up in the morning, I would always take a big glass of water when you wake up so that you're hydrating all of the organs, every part of the body, and you're waking up your brain as well at the same time. And then that means that you're hydrated before you go go and take your caffeine. Try to avoid eating any heavy meals at least three hours before bedtime if possible. And I know this isn't always possible. So it's about just managing when you're going to be eating what. So if you can, maybe have a heavier meal at lunchtime and then something lighter later on in the day. Whatever that looks like, it looks different for everybody. So again, I would just say if you can eat lighter or at least leaving that three-hour window before your bedtime. And I always hear a lot of people saying, but this doesn't impact your weight or what have you. It's not about weight. It's about digestion. And it's about getting into a better quality of sleep. So yes, this will obviously impact your weight. If you're getting better digestion and better sleep quality, then that will improve the weight situation, of course. You know, but it's not, I think a lot of people when we talk about health goals go straight to a weight goal and that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about ultimate health and feeling your best self, that you're functioning well, your brain is sharp and you're living a full, healthy and happy life. And so that's nutrition um, and then exercise. So your body needs daily movement. So that can look different for absolutely everyone. So it doesn't mean that you have to go and do a 5k run or anything like that. But one thing that does occur in the body every night is a buildup of fascia tissue. So if you imagine there is a fascia tissue, so it is almost like a membrane just beneath the surface of the skin. And it grows every night, every single night. It doesn't take a day off. And basically, it covers the muscles. So when we feel stiff and we need that stretch first thing in the morning, that's fascia. So fascia, and there's so much new research being done in fascia. It is so amazing. I would say go and, I'll put it in the show notes, but if you can Google um, get rid of the fuzz and it is fascinating to watch and so basically this fascia tissue is what the fuzz is and so it grows every night it creates this tightness in the body and it makes it so important that we stretch and move so that we don't stiffen up so as we continue to age then we get susceptible to stiffening up and then we get susceptible to perhaps falls, breaks, anything like that as we get older. So if we can do anything to really help us stay strong and mobile, that's what we ultimately want. And so that's where exercise plays a really good role in this. So daily movement to eradicate and reduce that fascia buildup. 
but also try working out during the daytime and I know that's difficult when it comes into autumn winter where our daylight hours decrease um, but during the day if you can getting out in natural light whether that be a walk or a run that will ultimately help enhance your levels of vitamin D providing you with that melatonin which helps your body recognize the sleep signals. Burning energy throughout exercise will help your body relax and recover through sleep and naturally allows yourself to get into a deeper sleep pattern. It's also important to ensure you wear sunscreen whilst outside to protect your skin from sunburn and pollutants, which in Ireland we all still think that because we don't get the sun that it's not important, but the pollution, even just if you're walking along the road, is something that we need to protect our skin from and it's so important then in terms of getting that better sleep so what I would say in terms of exercise find workouts you enjoy and create just a regular habit that brings you joy you know try and mix it up with some different activities during the week grab a friend get social whatever it may look like for you just do it just do what brings you joy and don't feel that it's something that is an inconvenience in your life because if it's not bringing you joy then it's going to be something that you're not consistent with and you won't love to do so you want to love to do it so yeah so we've said good nutrition good exercise daily let's move on to alcohol and medication so when we drink alcohol or take any medication, it can impact our state of dreaming sleep, which is REM. This can impact us with a result in fatigue or even depression if done regularly. And I notice myself, I don't, I rarely drink these days. Um, but I always used to notice that if I had been partying the night before, I wouldn't have good sleep for a few days. And so alcohol has a huge impact on your sleep, not just of that night, but it can really knock you off kilter for the next few days, the next week. And that lack of sleep contributes to a poor cognitive function within the brain. And it ultimately is not great for us. You know, it alcohol in itself has a negative impact on our brain health. And there have been many studies done and there was a study done that found people who had not had enough sleep had the same poor cognitive abilities that some would have if they were over the drink driving limit. And that's pretty scary. So try to reduce your consumption of alcohol and that will ultimately help improve your sleep patterns. And this is also true of any stimulants like caffeine as well. Um, and if medication is impacting your sleep quality as well, I would discuss that with your GP and see what other th things could be put into place. Um, going back to exercise, we mentioned exercise, but yoga and meditation can be really um, supportive in getting really good sleep. And going in terms of the yoga, it's the stretch part in terms of getting rid of the fascia tissue that we've just discussed and maintaining that mobility and avoiding any injuries. So that's really important and really good to get on board with. 
I also recommend at least five to 10 minutes of meditation every day if you can. And it brings in that level of calmness to your mind and body. Meditation can help create a balance of cortisol. So your stress hormone levels, we want to bring those down and get into that parasympathetic nervous system. It also helps lower blood pressure and increase gray matter in the brain and aid premature aging. Yeah, if anyone's seen me, I'm 12. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> um, but honestly, like I remember a teach my teacher training and we had been doing yoga and meditation for a month and we were all like little glowworms. We were absolutely glowing and it was as if we had all aged backwards it was amazing um and if you are starting a meditation practice don't feel overwhelmed if you've been to any of my classes I'll always guide you to use your breath as an anchor and the breath as an anchor is really lovely it's a really supportive way to start a meditation practice and also guided meditations are really great, you know, so they're great. There's so many apps out there that you can try and a meditation can be whatever brings you that level of calmness and clarity. And so sitting in a space that just gives you five minutes to yourself, that can just be sitting quietly in silence with your eyes closed. It could also just be walking in nature. It could be sitting in your car, taking some mindful breaths. It could be even sitting in a toilet cubicle, taking some mindful breaths and closing your eyes. Whatever you need throughout your day, go into whatever meditation practice feels most accessible to you. And I would say, don't put too much pressure on yourself to become the ultimate meditator. It takes a lot of practice and depending on what your day brings, depending on what's happening in your life, can ultimately have an impact on how your meditation goes that morning. But ultimately, if we think about it, our brain needs that time off. So you're taking your brain to the gym when you meditate. You're giving it that sense where it can find that state of relaxation and I would say just be kind to yourself. Just use your ahimsa, which is self-compassion and compassion to others, but use your ahimsa and meditation. So don't get disheartened. Just when thoughts start to come, when you're trying to meditate, just allow them, allow them to come and go. You can acknowledge those thoughts and just say, you can talk to the thoughts. I talk to the thoughts all the time. But you can just say to the thoughts, I'll get to you in a moment. I'm just busy right now. And you can just nudge them to the side. You know, allow them to come and go. They're only thoughts. There's nothing more to them than that. And you're your, they're your thoughts. So you're in control. So when they enter, just be patient. Be patient in your practice. And yeah just try to enjoy it um and with time it'll all come together and of course if you have any questions on meditation you're free to send me a message I'm happy to help um 
So yes, so those are kind of key areas that I want you to look at is good nutrition, exercise, alcohol and medication, and of course yoga and meditation can really all be supportive in improving sleep. Let's get into a bedtime routine. So there are three key components that I want you to look at in terms of building your own bedtime routine. Timing is everything. So what I would suggest is try going to bed at the same time every night and waking up at the same time every day. And that would be the same at the weekend as well as during the during the week. And this will help maintain consistency and provide your body with a natural rhythmic clock. So for example, go to bed every night at 10 p.m. and wake up at 6 a.m., which gives you an eight-hour window of sleep. So when I set my alarm at night, I'm always looking at when it tells me because it usually will tell me seven hours until my alarm clock goes off or what have you. So if it's anyway below seven hours, I feel like I'm in trouble or like I'm like, is there any wiggle room on that alarm clock time that I can get an extra 15, 20 minutes? You know, so for me, I notice if I don't get at least seven hours sleep and everyone will be different. But if you're aiming just for at least six to eight hours per night, that can be a really good aim. Journaling is a great practice to have. And I know at this moment in time, a lot of that has been discussed like on social media and a lot of people probably are over journaling but honestly it is one of the best things that you can do writing how your day was and showing gratitude for what went well helps us assess our day but it also just gets those thoughts down on paper so it doesn't disrupt your sleep so this includes all things like worries write them all down it's a great opportunity to then plan the next day so you don't worry during the night and don't carry any of your emotions into bed so leave them in your journal it then helps create that space for a peaceful sleep. And it's, it's honestly, it's a game changer, especially if you are an overthinker or a worrier and you tend to wake up in the middle of the night worrying, I would say have your journal next to the bed. And even if you're writing everything down in the journal before you sleep and you wake up in the middle of the night, I would take the journal there and then and then write down those thoughts and you're ultimately then just saying to the journal, I'm giving you these thoughts, I'm giving you this responsibility so that I can get rest. I'm prioritizing my sleep, so please take that responsibility of these worries and thoughts away from me so whilst I get sleep, I'll deal with them tomorrow. And I think for a few of my clients that have used this technique, it has really improved their sleep quality. So if you do have disruptive sleep, I would try journaling before bedtime. And again, if you wake in the night, use your journal to put any of those thoughts that are disrupting you back into your journal. And what, as I would say as well on that, if you do find yourself waking up in the middle of the night, I would try to just lie there. Don't necessarily feel the need to get up unless you're fully anxious like if you wake up and you're really anxious then I would say get up move your body take some stretches or just have a little walk within the house 
so that you can move that nervous, anxious energy. But if you've just woken up in the middle of the night and you can't necessarily get back to sleep, don't reach for the phone, just rest. So don't necessarily feel that you need to get up and do anything or think to yourself, oh, I'm awake. Just rest. So just stay in bed, just rest, keep the eyes closed, perhaps practice some mindful breaths, Do what feels good for you in that moment, but don't think that you have to get up out of bed, especially if it's three or four in the morning and you don't have to be up until seven. So bear that in mind and hopefully then you can be patient enough with yourself that it allows your body then to read the signals and then go back into a peaceful sleep. It will take time, so be patient with yourself lastly we're going to talk about a digital detox as I think we could go on and on about sleep and as I said at the start I want to give you these snippets that are going to help you get into a better state of rest. Digital detox is so important because as we said at the start we live in this fast-paced environment we're constantly on the go and our use of digital technology is so vast. So what I would suggest is try to limit your use of technology at least one to two hours before bed. Blue light really affects the production of melatonin in the body, which is a hormone that helps our body become more sleepy. Therefore, if you leave your phone in another room or switch it to airplane mode, which I do, I'd recommend using a traditional alarm clock or leaving your phone switched off entirely in another room if you can. It helps reduce that habit of looking at your phone first thing in the morning as well, which is so important. So again, upon waking, try not to reach for the phone. Just go about your business. Again, creating that morning routine. So whether you're getting up, going to the bathroom, um, and then taking five minutes in your quiet space to just meditate or take some mindful breaths, whatever that looks like, I would say start to create that morning routine as well, which doesn't include any digital technology before maybe 9am. <laughs> um, but again, it's all about what works for you, knowing what works within your own personal routine. I hope that this has given you some food for thought. I hope it's given you a little bit more of an insight on the impacts of sleep deprivation and what that looks like. And I hope that it's given you some guidance and tips that you can look at to help create that better sleep routine within your own personal space and your own personal routine. Um, Yeah. I have loved speaking to you all again in this latest episode. I hope you find it helpful and I look forward to speaking to you all again soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, I would be so grateful if you could take some time to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast for future episodes. This helps keep you up to date with future releases while it's also growing the podcast so that others can find it. Take care and see you all again soon.